Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following presentation is brought to you by Sports Ethos. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We. Hopefully, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then I will have problems here at home. I'm no longer on crappy hotel Wi-Fi, so hopefully we can get a full show in for you today. It's David, Isaac, and Candace. We are post-game. The Memphis Grizzlies made this game way scarier than it needed to be. They, they end up beating the Knicks 118-114. to 114. And I think if you look over these last two games with the foul trouble with Jaron Jackson Jr., You've got to realize what type of impact he's making, or I would think that you would realize. But some of these folks, like, I I don't even know what they're looking at. I I get on Twitter first thing this morning, and Ja Moran is gassing him up, talking about he's the franchise. And I say he, Jaron, Ja is is gassing Jaron up. And the first comment under the post is some moron telling him, oh, we'll tell him to stop shooting three so much. Oh, <laughs> why are you serious right now like I will say he took that one three last night and it was terrible it was Damn awful off, yeah you know like it, it looked bad but I mean it was a bad shot though like I don't I don't no, blame no, no. him for taking yeah. that shot but it he missed it badly but yeah exactly like it wasn't it wasn't a, a poor shot choice it just no. was a poor shot but I, anyway, huge impact. If you see when he's off the floor, what this defense does. And I think we started talking about this before we were having the difficulties at the hotel that it's about five points difference. When Jaron is not on the floor, this defense, this defense is five points worse and five points worse is a loss against this, you know, in this next game last night, if Jaron's not on the floor. So I don't know what he has to do in order for people to stop bashing on him and hating on him, but I, I mean, he's done plenty for me. What about you guys? Yeah, man. Block Panther, man. Like I think last night in that fourth quarter, late in that fourth quarter, you saw a window into what John Jerry can be. I mean, you have Jerry closing this game on the defensive end and you have John scoring on the offensive end. I mean, that's the pinnacle of what this could be. Um, and, you just saw the impact that Jaron had. I mean, he changed that game. They do not win this game if he doesn't come back in and have the deep defensive performance he had in the fourth quarter. I mean, it wouldn't have been close. Knicks would have probably won this thing going away. I mean, he changed so many shots in that game, gave the Grizzlies extra possessions. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, phenomenal to watch. And it's still crazy to me how the lack of, of defensive uh, defensive player of the year buzz that he's getting. Like, you even still see some list of all defensive teams. He's getting a little bit more now. Than he was earlier in the season. You're getting a little bit more buzz, but I still don't think he's getting the credit. Like you said, five points difference. I mean, that's crazy for one guy to have that type of defensive impact on a team, man. And I think it was on full display last night, man. That shows you, again, like what those two guys can be closing the game, man. I think that was really, really special last night. And to have some guy talking about he needs to stop shooting threes. I mean, what 
what do I don't I don't understand what are people thinking? Like I I don't what are you watching? Like I don't I don't want I don't get it because if you watched that game last night, we've been preaching this all year long how much he means on the defensive end, and you saw that last night. Again, they don't win this game if it wasn't for Jared and his defense in that fourth quarter. And, and Candace, I'll let you take off. I want to make one quick statement, and then I'll let you go. He shot fifty percent from three last night. Yeah, like I mean, yep. that's what I was gonna say. Like he had the one that looked awful, two or four. Look, yeah, but but he shot fifty percent from three. So yeah, Candace, take it away. What what do you what's your takeaway from this? Yeah, I'd say that's one of my one of my biggest takeaways of the game. I mean, sure, got Jai took it over, and I think he's a superstar, and he got in superstar mode there in that fourth quarter, and that made a difference for us. But you know. I think one of the things I was most impressed with when it came to Jaron was a lot of times when he gets in foul trouble early in the third, you don't know what Jaron's going to come out. You don't know if you'll get good offensive Jaron, but bad defensive Jaron still fouling. You don't know if you get good defensive Jaron, but can't make any shots. Um, but I thought he did a great job in that fourth quarter on being the two-way player that, that they needed him to be. Like like you said, 50% from three. He had five blocks in the game. Three, was in, three were in that fourth quarter right there. Critical blocks. And he sort of fooled the team, fueled the team's comeback. Um, his defense mixed with with Jai's offense was what ultimately led them to the victory. Yeah, I mean he he was locked he was locked in. Uh, he was locked like, in. like 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 Candace said, a lot of times when he gets in foul trouble, you have these type of games. He'll come back in, and sometimes the body language isn't great. He's mm-hmm. frustrated, and that wasn't the case at all. I mean, he came in into the game last night, focused and locked in, and then just big play after big play at the rim, uh, shots that. If, if he wasn't in the game, they probably make. Um, right. He just altered and changed a, a lot of shots in that game. Julius Randle uh, really, really made it tough on him in that fourth quarter. He had been kind of getting off and dominating all game, and they just kind of shut that down in the fourth quarter, man. That's the reason why they were able to win this game. And, of course, Ja doing superhuman things on the other end on the offensive end. Um, again, man, it's just special to see. And it, I think this is when you look at back over their careers together, Ja and Jaron, I think that fourth quarter last night is some of the best basketball we've seen from them um but you look at yeah. on the defensive end what jared was doing and what john was doing on the offensive end man it's just special and again i think it's a window into what what they can be and, and hopefully we can get those type of performances in the playoffs because man if you have those two guys doing that late in the game man it's going to be going to be they're going to be a tough team to beat right exactly i would say that's that's probably what i was most encouraged i know it got a little dicey there towards the end but i think free what throws, gave me the confidence that we're going to win was i know the free throws man <laughs> keeps man. coming back but you know i was still so impressed with jaron I, I i his ability when he's locked in he, he can obviously even out surpass those flaws the free throw flaws uh that stick out there at the end so i think you know both him and dylan dylan brooks are x factors when it comes to the playoffs if jaron can For perform sure. like this it, it dramatically shifts the ceiling of where this team can go. And then, of course, Dylan Brooks coming back with his perimeter perimeter defense. So I'm excited. I think we're seeing the encouraging things at the right time. And if he continues on this trajectory, and there's no telling how special this year can be. Yeah, th- there was one shot in particular. R.J. Barrett had it late in the game, and it, it was down in the paint. And Jaron's instincts, you know, Barrett pump faked. Jaron stayed on the floor, and then when he went to shoot, Jaron was able to get up and, and redirect the shot. And that's – part of his evolution early in his career he bites on that pump fake mm-hmm. rj gets that foul jaron's out of the game pretty much game over at that point for the grizzlies the one thing D- dylan coming back is going to be huge because dylan fights through screens dylan does things that our other perimeter f- defenders are not doing at a high level and not at the level that dylan can do them 
but Dylan knows that he's got kind of the security blanket of Jaron Jackson behind him. Not that he's going to give up. He's never going to give up on a play, but he's going to drive that player into where he knows if he gets by him, he's got Jaron there for the help defense. And that's, it's going to be scary for whoever they match up against in the playoffs of what this team is going to be able to do. You got the, the John Jaron kind of the, the, Thunder and lightning, you know, Ja can do it on the offensive end. Jaron can do it on the defensive end. And Jaron can do it on the offensive end as well. It's it's all – we haven't seen a massive just like explosion of offense from Jaron in a while, but he's capable of it. It's there, and he's being far more aggressive. He's doing things now that he wasn't doing earlier in the season – things that are, are, you know, helping improve his game. You can see the coaches are working with him. They're talking to him. But it, it's it's definitely encouraging. I, I've said it before, and even after the, the bad loss to the Rockets, there's not a single team that I fear for them. They have a legitimate shot to beat any team that they can match up against in the Western Conference playoffs. I, I think some of the – I think the foul trouble is one of the things that kind of Lately, that's kind of creeped back up, and I think that's kind of sometimes throws them off its offensive rhythm. Uh, but but you, you talk about Dylan Brooks, and I want to get you guys' opinion on, on this. Uh, mainly on social media, there was kind of over the last couple of weeks this, this train of thought that when Dylan comes back that he could possibly be put into a six-man role. You continue to start Zaire Williams, and you bring him off the bench. And that wasn't my opinion. I always thought that Dylan should be a starter. I mean, what he brings offensively especially defensively, when you get into the playoffs, you want to have Dylan starting the game on the opposing team's best wing wing player uh, for, for his perimeter defense. So I think kind of bringing him off the bench kind of changes that. I know he's probably closed the game, but I think you need that to start the game as well. Kind of what, what are you guys' opinion on that? Do you think Dylan – I mean, I, 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 we've seen how this team kind of operates. They bring guys back. Sometimes they don't throw them right back in the starting lineup. But I personally think that Dylan needs to be in the starting lineup. What, what do you guys think on that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. I think you need Dylan to prevent the, the players from getting in a, in a rhythm. You don't want your your best the best shooter on the opposing team to be able to get into a rhythm and sure you'll close with Dylan. But, you know, if you've already got a player in rhythm and it's a star and they're on fire, it's not going to be much you can do. And so you need that you need that defense. You need that uh, physicality and you need that mindset going in to start your game and to finish your game. And I know there are some concerns about Dylan's ability to take shots and really being efficient with his shots and taking shots away from John Moran and from Desmond Bain. And, you know, I think it's as simple as staggering his minutes. I mean, they stagger minutes with Desmond Bain now. You figure out the rotations in terms of how you can stagger your minutes with Dylan Brooks. And so that way he still gets the – he's not taking away too many shots from Desmond Bain and from John Morant, but you still have that physicality, that mindset, that swagger that he brings from start to finish. You know, I think – sorry, excuse me. I hate to – I done that right in the microphone the first time. My apologies. But the, I, I don't see that Dylan is going to take shots away from Bain and Ja. It's going to come away from the lesser players. We, we kind of discussed this a little bit before. The Grizzlies take 93 or 94 shots a game, and you give 40, 45 of those to Ja and Desmond Bain – and then that leaves plenty for Jaron and Dylan. It's going to be guys 
you know, Zaire has been a lot better. I saw Chip Williams tweeted out this morning. Uh, in, in the last 15 games, Zaire's been shooting 44% from three, which is incredible. That, that, that's huge for the Grizzlies if he continues to shoot the ball at that clip. But the, the worries, the concerns about who he's going to take shots away from, the shots are not going to come from your primary guys. Your offense is designed for your primary guys to get shots. And there may be times – that you see Dylan be more aggressive, but he does that in times when he feels like that's necessary. And it hasn't been a huge issue. Obviously, you know, he's been out for a while, but we've not really like witnessed Dylan be kind of that, the hero ball, the, the tunnel vision type player that we were seeing in the bubble in a long time. He, he's gotten, I won't say that he's fully gotten past that because there's still times when it does happen but it doesn't happen as frequent as it has in the past. I think, you know, talking about the best shooter, Candace, that was a great point, the, the best shooter getting off to a, a rhythm early on. It's – I fully expect them to bring him off of the bench when he comes back just because they like to do stupid crap with their lineup. I, I said it. I, I think that he needs to be a starter. Dylan needs to be a starter when he comes back. If he's going to be your starter in the playoffs – he needs to be the starter when he comes back. I know that he's going to be in closing. Like he's your defensively, your closing lineup is probably going to look something like John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, and Brandon Clark. I think that's your five closers for this team. And I think that's an insane defensive lineup for the Grizzlies. But I, I, I wonder how much impact is going to have, like, how many good shooters are going to get off to that that rhythm start if you're not starting Dylan Brooks? If you get a guy, say Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is a type player that if he gets off to a good start, we we watched him. You know, he he's dropped fifty in the playoffs before. He could carry his team if he gets off. If he gets in rhythm early. That could propel him for the rest of the game. Even if you put Dylan on him and he's already in his rhythm, guys like that are still going to get their shots off. They're going to get to their 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 spots. They're going to do what they need to do to score. Stars find a way to make it happen. Dylan makes that harder on them. But if they're allowed, if he's coming off of the bench and they're allowed to get into a rhythm before he ever starts guarding them, it, it could get messy really quick for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I can. I agree, I agree with David. Like. And I've talked about this a lot, especially last year, kind of how weird they handle stuff like this. Like, I, I think Dylan's going to end up being a starter eventually, which if that's going to be the case, start him immediately. But, I mean, he's been out long enough with his ankle injury. What we were talking about, I think they said five weeks initially. What has been, like, eight now? Like, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he, he has to be fine from an ankle injury. And I know the conditioning and everything. I know he's been going through drills, going through practice, man. He's should be ready to go. And, and I got a feeling, just like David said, that they're going to screw around with this and bring him out the bench. You have a limited amount of games left. And, and we saw what kind of happened with Jaron when they brought him back late last season. He was never really able to get in a, in a rhythm. They brought him out the bench, and then all of a sudden he was a starter again. And I just don't want to see them do that. Because, again, I, I just think with the limited amount of games left, you need as much time as possible with him in that starting lineup with those guys to, to get everything set, to, to make sure everything's working out and, the chemistry's there and everything like that. And it's, it's I got a feeling they're going to bring him out the bench initially and then, like, a week before the season, they're going to throw him back in the start, end of the season, throw him back in the starting lineup. And I just don't like 
that idea. It's just weird how they handle things. Things have worked out for this front office and the social staff a lot, but that how they handle, handle injury stuff has always been kind of weird to me, and I got a feeling they're going to do the same thing here with Dylan. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm trying to be optimistic and reading the things that aren't there, but I heard recently, I can't remember if it was a pregame warm-up or interview or something where somebody asked Taylor Jenkins something along the lines of, you know, Dylan's return and, you know, how, you know, Zaire's got gotten a lot of the experience and how it'll affect Zaire as he transitions back. And so Taylor Jenkins was just talking a lot about how the experience with him starting has been valuable. I mean, I don't know the way, the way that, the, the way that, it, that he worded it, I sort of thought that maybe they were thinking it was time for Zaire to go back to the bench um, so. and to start Dylan Brooks, but but I don't know. I could, you know, his history shows more, you know, that they're more likely to bring him in off the bench. But I'm sort of hoping that they don't, and that just could be me reading the things optimistically. But I I, I can't say I feel I have the feeling they'll do that. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, so they, they said he's supposed to be. He was doubtful for this previous game, so that's yeah. always a good step in the right direction. That. They said he, they expect him back on this road trip here. So to me, that means either this next game or uh, maybe maybe against the Pacers, they may bring him back. Who, who's their next opponent? Yeah, it's, it's the Pacers on Tuesday night. They oh, it is the thunder, okay. thunder tomorrow. The Thunder tomorrow night. Hopefully, okay. hopefully when an injury report comes out, he's questionable right. uh, tomorrow, and that would be a really good sign because a lot of times when questionable is probable for them, like if a guy's questionable, Taylor he'll give you the coach speak when you get in the the pregame. He'll say, "Oh well, we, we got to run him through warm ups and see." how he responds and they usually end up playing. So we'll see what happens there. He could still be doubtful. And I, I think I would, with him being doubtful last night, I think for sure that Pacers game, he should be back and ready to go. Cause I mean, that's two games that he was doubtful mm-hmm. in. There's been several days. It'll be several days by then in between. And you think he'll be able to go, but speaking, speaking of Zaire Williams, man, and looking at this box board kind of stood out to me and me and David, have talked a lot about this in the past about plus minus and how it's not, doesn't always tell true tell. Uh, he was minus 23 last night, um, and that, you see, that might be worst on the team. And I felt like he played really well last night. I think I did too. there were times where they really needed basket. He knocked down some clutch threes. Uh, I remember he had that reverse layup in the lane where he drove the lane. They really needed those baskets. And I think, he, I don't remember, it was in the third quarter when they got down, he made a couple key baskets that kind of kept them in the basketball game that they probably, Knicks probably would have ended up running off with it if he hadn't made those shots. And to see him minus 23, I thought that kind of stood out to me because I thought he played a, a really good game last night. Yeah, yeah I did. I, I don't see anything that sticks out to me. He had one turnover. He, had, he didn't have any fouls. So I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, if that's just defensive effort or what. But I, yeah. I thought he impacted the game on both ends pretty well. You know, he, he was in during the stretch where the, the Knicks went on that run in the third that, you know, they had the lead. They kind of yeah. opened it yeah. up a little bit. And so I think that that kind of plays into it. But, you know, plus minus – to me is a stat that you can use if you're trying to win an argument and you want to be like, <laughs> yeah, okay, always like do, yeah. th- this is what's going on. And you can, <laughs> go, you can throw the plus minus in there that there are times when you kind of use it as an extra tool, but more often than not, you can really throw that stat out the window because there's so many things that factor into it and it doesn't really ref- reflect the player's true impact on the game. For example, Ja Morant was a yeah, minus, minus three, three. Last. So, <laughs> you know, Ja was a, a, a net negative last night. Does that mean that the Grizzlies should have just kept him off the floor in the fourth quarter? 
know. We, we know the answer to that question. This is something that is not Grizzlies related, but it, it kind of does affect the Grizzlies. Mike Singer of the Denver Post just released an article. There had been talks that Jamal Murray was going to come back, and um, everything yeah, was kind of leaning toward Jamal Murray's going to be back this year. And Mike Singer implies that it's a 50-50 at best for Murray coming back. And so for all of you that were scared of the Nuggets, just squash it. Stop it right now. You shouldn't have been anyway because he wasn't going to be back in enough time to get into game shape. Yeah. But, you know, th- this 50-50 is That is makes not, it even concrete, concrete. It. Like, if, yeah. he, if even if he comes back, he's not going to be 25-point yeah. a game Jamal Murray. That's not, that's not what you get even if he comes back. Especially you're going to throw him in this late into a playoff series, high-level basketball, man. He, he's not going to be that guy that's going to, I don't think, make a huge impact. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I just don't see a guy coming off the injury that he's coming off of. That takes some time, guys. It'd be like the next season. Like after they, they come back full-time and play a year, they're still not right mm-hmm. until the next year. I mean, we kind of saw that with Rudy Gay. Um, it, it took him a while to come back from, from his. And that, that the second year that he came back, he – gotta look more like itself but it, it takes a while man to come back from from injuries like that if yeah a, it, go, go ahead it, it does yeah i think I, I think we're gonna say the same thing if i'm if i'm the denver nuggets if it's 50 50 at this point this mid-march yeah, i mean I, I don't see a reason to bring him back because you risk you know re-injuring him or you risk setting them back more and, and you're not sure win. what you're going to get from him in the playoffs it's, i don't think you get high level performance at this point so is the 15 points he might give you really worth it in the long run, I, I'm, I'm not sure that it is. Yeah, I, I think you did. let him get healthy. Don't even bring him back. Let him have the entire all season to just work on conditioning and strengthening and then bring him back next year when everybody's healthy where you may legitimately be a title contending team. You don't have your third best player in MPJ. Is he going to be back next year? We don't know, but this team is significantly better even with just Jamal Murray coming back when he's fully Jamal Murray. And, and this, this is not a, to me, because of his age, you don't risk it, right? Like if this is a guy that was nearing the end of his career and this is going to be maybe a last opportunity, you, you maybe take that risk, but Jokic and Murray are young that there's no reason to really force this right here. You know, you're going to be, so a six, seven, maybe a five seed. So your playoff matchup in the first round is not going to be what you would hope it would be anyway. So yeah, just let him rest and, and bring him back next year. But anyway, got, got off track a little bit there. I was talking about uh, the, the NBA, uh, NBA.com. They have the playoff bracket set up right now. And I was looking at right before we started recording, so with, with Memphis, they're, they're a half game up on Golden State in the two seed right now. So they would be facing the winner of the Minnesota Clippers play-in game. Or they could possibly fall back to the three seed, in which case they would match up against the Denver Nuggets who we're talking about. Yeah. If, if you're the Grizzlies, is there one of those teams that you prefer to match up against? Uh, for, for me, it, 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 it's interesting. I, well, who knows what's going on with the Clippers? I don't know. Wasn't there thinking about bringing Paul George back? I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that they've been kind of weird with that situation. Cause one time around all-star break, it looks like he was, it was imminent that he was about to come back. And now you mm-hmm. haven't 
really heard anything about it. Uh, Norm Powell is going to still be out for a while uh, with, with his foot injury. He's supposed to return at some point this season. Uh, I think if you look at the rosters as they are right now, I think I would take the Clippers out of that group. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, because I think I just think they don't have, they just don't have the firepower. Uh, Minnesota, we saw how tough a matchup that is. It's not that I'm scared of anything, but it's just a tough matchup. They beat you up. They're physical. They're right. big, and you just rather not deal with that. And, and with Denver, I, I do think Denver is a good matchup for the Grizzlies. Or we saw how they've kind of handled this, this, this handled them this year. I don't think Murray's coming back, and with uh, MP Junior. Back injuries are tricky. Like, we saw him try to come back early this season. He saw and – and I told David this earlier this season. I was like, he just doesn't look right. And then like, a couple days after that, and he, he's back down with a with a, a back injury. You just never know what's going to happen with that. So, I like the matchup. I just think dealing with Jokic night in, night out, You when you go on the road, you're playing at altitude. I think if you could not do that – I I think I'd rather play Dallas than the, the Denver just because of the, the altitude thing, dealing with Jokic. I know – Luca is a, a really good player as well, but I think when I look at Denver with the rest of Dallas's team, I like the way the Grizzlies match up with my notice slow down thing and all that. I think the Grizzlies will handle both of them. But I think out of that group, I think as as the rosters stay if they are right now, I think I'd I'd rank them Clippers, uh, T Wolves, and, and Nuggets. I think Clippers would be the team that I would prefer to play the most. Yeah, yeah, I. I'd say that I, I think I, I think I pretty much agree with, agree with you there for the most part. Isaac, I know I prefer the Clippers to start um, just because I think we match up well with it. I know they got some shooters if they get Norm Powell back, but I just think we can overcome that as, as, a, yeah. as a team. I just think we're a better roster right now. Uh, I think I, I probably would still prefer Denver over Dallas just because of play style. I think the Grizzlies can play more like themselves. And so I think they have an advantage there. I think they can play well in the paint. And it, I know – that the matchups have been good matchups, but I think overall, especially when you get Dylan Brooks back in the picture, that completely changes the the, the, the dynamic between the between the two teams and puts Memphis's advantage. I, and last but not least, I mean, like you said, I'm not afraid of the Timberwolves, but I think it's just the level of physicality I prefer yeah. to avoid. You know, Jaw always gets banged up one way or another against them. It, Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly, trying to hurt Patrick God. Beverly. <laughs> and in a playoff scenario, I just rather not. <laughs> Uh, deal with that. <laughs> Take a cheap shot, that guy. That, that's, I mean. yeah, that, that's what I'm scared of, and I, <laughs> I I do not want the Timberwolves. Not because I don't think the Grizzlies can beat them, but when the Grizzlies are beating the crap out of them. Patrick Beverly is going to do what he has a history of doing, and he's going to take cheap cheap shots at guys. Yep. And who is Patrick Beverly going to be guarding? Ja Morant. No, yep. there's no like. I, I think 100 percent the Grizzlies beat them in a seven game series. But I am scared to death that Patrick Beverly does something cheap to try and hurt John Morant, and that's I, I I don't like talking about stuff like that. But he's that type of player. He has a history of it. It's he's a physical defender, and that's fine. Dylan Brooks is a physical defender as well, but Dylan Brooks doesn't have the history of doing the stuff that Patrick Beverly does, and so that that's. I would love to avoid the Timberwolves, not because I think they can beat the Grizzlies, but I just want to eliminate the risk of injuries. If they meet the Timberwolves, let the Timberwolves earn it and see them in like the the conference finals. I'm fine if we we meet them there. Okay, you know, great, fantastic. But in the in the first round, I, I would like to avoid it. The four through six seed is a little tricky. You got Utah, Dallas, and Denver. They're separated by a game and a half, so you never know 
how that's going to flip. It's we, We've got a, a good stretch of basketball here as these teams continue to jockey for position. And Isaac was talking about uh, Steve Kerr and, and setting guys out when you're in the middle of this uh, playoff positioning race. That may come at that, that setting guys in that Denver game could possibly come back to bite him. You know, they're, they're still in good shape. They got a three and a half game lead over Utah from three to four, but that half game for setting Curry and Thompson and did uh Whit Wiggins didn't even travel. Did he? No, no. Yeah. So he sets like his three main players in a matchup against Denver because he's mad at the league. And I, I think at the end of the season here, that might be something that, that comes back to get him. We'll see. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that at all. It, it was definitely like David said to, to send a statement to the league. But I'm like, man, especially I think that was the Grizzlies that had just passed him uh, the night before uh, yep. for, for the second seed. I'm like, you got sick guys in this game. You're in the middle of a playoff seeding race because that second seed is big. Like, because it, that's the potentially two first-round home series versus one. I mean, I think that – gives you a tremendous advantage, also gives you opportunity to play one of the play-in teams instead of messing with that Utah-Dallas-Denver triumvirate. Uh, I just think that's a, a big spot, and that could end up coming back to bite you, especially when the Grizzlies now have the season series lead and they have that game here in Memphis where they can win the season series and close that out. I, I just – that didn't make any sense to me just to make a, a statement to the league. I mean, who cares, like, in the end what – League doesn't care. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, things going to go on, right. man. That's not going to change anything. So I didn't. I didn't get that. Let me tell you how you, you talked about home court advantage. The Warriors are twenty-seven and seven at home. They're eighteen and fifteen on the road. Yeah. Why would you take that chance? Just, why why yeah, would man, you risk that? You, you're twenty games over five hundred playing at home. Practically unbeatable at twenty-seven and seven. That's that's impressive. That may be the best home record in the league this year. But then you're only three games over five hundred on the road, and that one seed, the two two to three, makes that difference. You go from two home series to if you're that three seed, you're going to be playing more games on the road. It, it it makes Miami's got the best home record in the league. I was interested in seeing who that was. Miami twenty-four and eight. But and that's crazy, especially with the, with the amount of injuries they've had. That's yeah, super impressive. Yeah, so it's yeah, just a little weird, you know. I, I don't know. I guess he's just being a diva or whatever. But man, that's what I, he I does, think, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Grizzlies next matchup. Isaac just talked about it earlier. It was uh, are the Pacers on Tuesday? Is that right? Yeah. At no, I'm sorry, Oklahoma tomorrow City night. tomorrow. Oklahoma City tomorrow uh, yeah. in OKC, and then the Pacers are on Tuesday in Indiana. So the Grizzlies got a stretch here. They got three games, four games on the road. They go OKC, Indiana, Atlanta, Atlanta. and then back to Houston. Yeah. If they don't show up for that Houston man. game again, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you got a stretch. You're, you're a half game up on Golden State, and you have a series of games here where you're going to be heavily favored. They got to go and take care of business. Put some space in yeah. between them Absolutely. to where you can solidify this two-seed because it is important. I, I, the Grizzlies are a better road team than the Warriors, but I would rather have those two at home. I, I'm a little bit selfish. I have season tickets. I want to go to more playoff games. So <laughs> I want them to have more home playoff games. But just the, the to me, playing at home is significantly better. You have your fans behind you. The environment is just better for the team. I want to yeah, see them. especially in the playoffs. Hold on to this two seed. Um, and I, I got to be honest, like the, the Hawks game, 
should probably be the the scariest game in between. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know it like I'm not afraid of that one, man. John Collins had an injury he had been out he, since he came back. He hasn't really looked like himself. And this Hawks team is not playing at the same level that they were last year. And it what, what's nuts to me last season when they went when they made that transition, when they went from um whoever I can't even remember who their head coach was before Nate. But when McMillan took over and took this team on a run where they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, you see the Hawks fan base praising Nate McMillan. Oh, you know, fantastic, great, so glad it's about time they should have done it sooner. Da, da, da. This year they're struggling, and I'm seeing Hawks fans calling for McMillan's head. Who are you going to get? Who are you going to replace him with? That, that That's what I want to know. The Hawks are 6-4 and four in their last 10, so maybe they're, they're, they're trying to turn it around, but – they're, they're sitting right on that bubble, right on the edge of missing the playoffs after a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. 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 I, I, was, well, I was sorry. I was going to say that, 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 that Lloyd Pierce was their coach. Actually, a former Grizzlies assistant was their head coach before they fired him and, and went with Nate McMillan. Uh, but, and I tweeted this out the other day, it's kind of, I don't think it's been talked about enough how much that team has fallen off. I mean, you go from Eastern Conference Finals last year to they might not even make the play. Like, it's, and they basically have the same team. And and I said it's a cautionary tale of rushing a rebuild. Like the Grizzlies mm-hmm. did the complete opposite. It have shown patience. They went all in and brought in veterans and spent all their money on guys that don't really get you over the top. Um, and I think that's kind of end up giving up giving away Cam Reddish for a, a pack of chewing gum um, because they put themselves in a bad spot financially. And, and I think this is kind of what you get. And I think that's a good thing about the way the Grizzlies have handled this, but you talk about this, this stretch, and uh, me and David talked about this on here, and I said, I looked at these eight games, and then you have, it was eight games going back, I can't remember what game it started, um, and I said, I felt like the Grizzlies could win all eight of these games, and then they go lose to Houston, and, and I felt like that's why that game was so important last night, when they were down, I was like, man, they cannot afford to drop this game, especially after you've already given one up at Houston that you should have won against the team with the worst record in the league, you can't come back home and lose to the Knicks, and they were able to pull it out, but that's what's going to be interesting on this road trip. you got four teams that are all below 500. You're going to be favored at all these games, like starting tomorrow. I mean, that's a big one. You can't go in there and play with your food, so to speak, uh, like they did at Houston. you got to go in there and take care of business. These are four games you should win, man, and they need to go in there, get for all four of them. I know it's hard. They're all NBA players. It's hard to win on the road, man, but when you're going to be an elite team and they want to hold on to that second team, you got to go out there and take care of business. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really important. I think it's important. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about the OKC game because I think they'll have in the back of their minds how that last OK, OKC game went, you know, when Ja first came back, um, just how everything that was associated with that win, with the fans yelling, hey, you know, you should sit back down. And I, I just think uh, that they'll bounce back from that. They'll keep that in mind. It's probably a sour taste in their mouth. But I want to see them work on some of the key things we talked about. Like I mentioned earlier, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, I really want him to stay out of foul trouble is the goal. But even if he does get in foul trouble, the ability to work through that is going to be important because he might get in foul trouble in the playoffs. It's the playoffs, you know, it, it might happen. And so um, I also want to see them work on that three-point percentage, their three-point shooting. So they were, you know, 34.6 tonight, um, you know, whenever they're 35% or more that they always win. So it's pretty close um, margin there. But I want them to continue to build on that uh, and the free throws, man. I, they have got to work on these free throws. They were 58.6 from the line uh, last night, and that's just not acceptable. 
it's just not acceptable. And I, I would like to see them on this on this road on this road trip, hone in on those small things, hone in those on those things you will need in order to be successful in the playoffs and take care of business, like you said. Yeah, because they would have closed that game out if they were making free throws. That game would have been over with a lot sooner. I mean, I, it was a shocker when Bain stepped up and missed two that kind of left the door. But like I was like, man, what is going on? I don't know if uh, I've but, ever seen him miss two back to back. Yeah, I mean that that was rough, man. But they they got to get that cleaned up, man. You can't go in and play. I mean, 58 percent, man. That's just like it just can't happen. It's unacceptable, and it's one hundred percent going to cost you games if you get into the playoffs and you're still shooting the basketball like that from the strike. Yeah, if it was just Stephen Adams driving that percentage down, yeah, but it's that, not. that would be one thing. But you know, like you mentioned, Bain missing two in a row. Shout out to John. Anderson, John made his. Yeah, Giles eighty percent, eight for ten. That that's that's where he needs to be. Yeah. Kyle missed all three of his free throws. Yeah, which is yeah, like, Kyle's, Kyle's that, big one. That big one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, that Kyle... doesn't happen. Tyus Jones missed missed two of them. Tyus is one of the best free throw shooters on yeah. the team, and he missed two free throws. So it, it's. It's like it's contagious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what I, what I say to you. It's just something in the water. It's just mirrors, yeah. man. The, the, like the the tigers seem to always have issues with free throws. You go back to years where you know they had a, a legitimate shot to win a national title, and free throws got yeah. them. And it, it's like this team has got a shot, but not shooting fifty eight percent from the free throw line. No, not at all. And, and this is where you, you mentioned Stephen Adams. I actually wanted to make this point about the game. Going back to we were talking about Dylan Brooks and, and his, uh, you know, will he take shots away? I think that's one of the benefits of, of having a Stephen Adams. I think on this team, that he, the fact that he's not going to take shots, I think I'll make the transition when Dylan, gets Brooks, when Dylan Brooks gets back sometime on this road trip. It'll help knowing that you don't have to feed Stephen Adams, right? He can just plug and play. And uh, that's exactly what the front office had in mind when they were yeah. thinking about the future. Yeah, the vision on that was just spot on from, from King Climbing and company about bringing in Stephen Adams. I mean, he's the perfect complement for the, this team and, and the way they play. Because, I mean, you transitioned from JV, and again, there was a lot of pushback. And I am a was a big Valentinus fan. I loved what he brought to this team, but they're better with, with Stephen Adams. And looking at it on paper, nobody, a lot of people that aren't just, that are just casual and don't really understand the game wouldn't understand that, but Steven Adams is much better for this team and what he brings. Um, he is a, pl- a plus on the defensive end mm-hmm. over Jones Valanciunas and also the fact that he doesn't take up shots and just scores when off offensive rebounds, everything. It's, it's just been perfect for this team. And I think the vision of shout out to King Climbing and company for the vision on that because I think they made the, the 100% correct decision was spot on in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he got a little banged up here in the uh, in this previous game, so hopefully he'll be good to go for the road trip. Generally, he's a he's a warrior kind of guy. He's been a tough guy, yeah. even when he gets banged up, he always gets back and plays. So, because we really need to see what I'd like to see is our starting lineup back. The starting lineup that was intended for this team has only played seven games together to this point, and I'm hoping that one when they play Dylan Brooks, they'll start him, and that Stephen Adams can come back, so we can go back to seeing what this starting lineup can really look like. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be fine. They said he was available to come back in, but they had Jeremy in that closing lineup, so they would, didn't need to put him back in. So hopefully oh, okay. it's something that didn't flare up overnight or anything like that, and he's good to go. But, yeah, they when he came back to the bench, they said he was available to come back. Okay. Dylan Brooks returning is going to be huge. Still current, like the the best defensive lineup that this team puts on the floor has Dylan Brooks in it. And that's not just, you know, we love Dylan Brooks, and so we're gassing him up. You look at the the differential, the best lineup 
for this team has Dylan Brooks in it. So getting him back, that's a huge ad for this team. Whatever Jenkins does with the rotation, and I just I have zero faith that Dylan is going to come back and start immediately. I believe they're going to keep Zaire starting. I don't know if that's going to be the long-term thing. I think eventually Dylan does move back into the starting lineup, but he he makes winning plays. He helps shut down the best offensive player on the other team. You, you got to have him out there guarding their best player, and we're going to get to see that. I I hope it's uh, tomorrow night in OKC. Just you know, easing back in. You know, again the the rotation thing. You're taking Zaire out at a certain point. Just pull Dylan. If you're only running him out there 20 minutes to, to start off, just pull him. You know, same way you're pulling Zaire. When, when Zaire's not playing well and he, he's getting like 12 or 15 minutes a game, the rotation doesn't change that much by just having Dylan in there. Okay, he's playing 20 minutes. I'm going to pull him here and put in Mel. You can keep that same rotation time. I, I don't know. Jenkins is probably not going to do that. We're going to see, you know, uh, Dylan coming off the bench is going to drive me insane, but got to work him back in, man. As they say, as they always said, pull the band aid <laughs> off, man. Let it just let it rip. So, I, I think we're good. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. The Grizzlies record 46 and 22. Final score of this game 118 to 114. I, I don't want to close without giving you guys an opportunity. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? Oh, no, I think that's uh, it, man. That's a big win last night, man. I think a win if they had to have, like I said, dropping that game at Houston. And four-game road trip, yeah, man, four teams under 500. Go out there and take care of business, man. And they owe Houston one next Sunday. I mean, you can't go out there and, and lose that one again again to Houston. But I, I feel good about this road trip. I think the, the Hawks game is the toughest one. Uh, obviously, I think you could say probably Hawks, Pacers, Thunder, Rockets is kind of how you uh, – I'd probably put the I'd probably put the Rockets – I'd probably put the Thunder as the easiest one probably uh, because the Rockets, even though – you look at their record, they have some talent. I mean, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., guys that can get off, especially individually. Uh, so go out there and win four games, man. Uh, you you want to be a two seed. You want to be a lead team. You got to go out there and take care of business. You already dropped one that you shouldn't have. I, I said go 8 no, man. Give me 7-1. Yep, 100%. You, you got to take care of these games. Still got a shot here to uh, – what they got 22 losses. So, you still got a shot to get to the, the best record. What What's what's their record need well, to be? 57 they need to go? Yeah, with. so what is it, 12 and 3 now? Say yeah, 12 and yeah, 3. Yeah, 12 and 3. That, that's – yeah. it's a long shot. It, you know, it, it's, it's not likely that it's going to happen that they're going to get to the best record in franchise history, best regular season record. But they do still have a shot. And looking at this schedule, it's not completely out of the question. You got some games that are tough. You've got Milwaukee at home. You got the Nets at home. Golden, Golden State. State at home. Boston. Um, yeah, Boston. Yeah, that, that's going to be a tough matchup. You play at Utah and at Denver. And then you also have Phoenix coming in here. Yeah. So that, there's some tough games in there. But Phoenix is not healthy. You beat these other teams. There's no reason that it can't happen. Not likely, but I, I would love to see it. So, Candace, I'll let you get us started. I, I got to say this. We're getting close. You guys know we switched from hootball to sports ethos because we are branching out into other sports. We have been working. We, as in the company, have been working to try and get a baseball 
branch started and a football branch started. Candace initially came on with Sports Ethos. She is going to be the host of our Seahawks coverage, although she may be changing her mind after that most recent trade. I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, stick with it. But, but times, keep, keep an eye out. We are going to have Candace is going to have her own show. She's going to be covering the Seattle Seahawks for speed, Sports Ethos football division. We're still going to bug her and pull her and drag her onto this Grizzly show because we enjoy having her. She adds, adds to the show. We, we love it. But just let them know where they can find you, and then we will wrap it up and get out of here. All right, absolutely. Excited to get a good get, get a good run on this road trip with the Grizzlies, get some foundation, get some momentum going into the playoffs. You can find me on Twitter at C is in Cat Hawks 901. That's at Seahawks901. Take it away, David. I am at David W2111. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and let's go, man. Yeah, man, go over there, eat those Grizzlies, give us a follow, like, and subscribe, do everything, man. Just make sure you check us out, man. We're pumping out great content, man, covering the Grizzlies. If you're a Grizzlies fan, eat those Grizzlies is your spot. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Grizzlies take on Oklahoma City Thunder. It's OKC, 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be back with the post game. Uh, so make sure uh, you be on the lookout for that. Until next time, we go.